Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. Welcome back, Mr. Breiler. Welcome it's good back, to be back. Dude. It's good to be I back. Mean, last week was a little nutty. You know, we talked. I talked about it uh, yeah. earlier this week. We both had some stuff going on. You were just trying to get back on the grid. Yeah, that was that was a wild week. Uh, you know, you never really realize how much you. Maybe you do, but I don't. How much you rely on the internet for everything from yeah, you know, TV, videos, phone, writing, everything is through internet. So yeah, that was wild. So while you were gone, I had Stu Douglas jump on with me on Monday morning. Went really, really well. Got some great stuff from him about just what he's up to these days. A little bit about the history of Michigan basketball, recent history anyway, since John Beeline, where the program is now. We talked name, image, and likeness stuff since uh, Hunter Dickinson made a few waves. Let's let's start right there, Chris. I mean, I know you weren't on with us on Monday, but uh, this stuff that Hunter Dickinson said about name, image, and likeness where – I mean, he kind of threw Michigan under the bus a little bit. He he compared them to the NCAA, said that they were, and everybody knows what you know what most people think of the NCAA. He compared them to the NCAA and said that they were making it really hard for you know him to. I don't know. I, I was just surprised that he was so free willed and uh, and in saying some things like that. Yeah. Well, it goes back to, you know, I think you were one of the first people to sort of, you know, sound the alarm or or however you want to put it that, you know, it it looked like Michigan wasn't taking full advantage of the NIL stuff um, like some of the other uh, programs across the country were. And I think that interview with Dickinson, you know, just sort of solidified that. Um, And even some of the little things that came out, like, you know, allowing, you know, players to to earn a profit off of the jersey sales from the Mm -hmm. MDEN things like that. You know, we've talked about that, how, yeah, on the surface, it looks really cool, but it's not going to be something that's going to be a big difference maker for the vast majority of the athletes. And certainly, you know, you're not seeing that some, that's not something that's going to benefit the swimming team or or some of these other programs. And so I think, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because as we've said before, uh, the university of Michigan, there's maybe, you know, four to five other programs across the country, institutions across the country that can match the power that the University of Michigan has. And for some reason, they just haven't taken full advantage of it yet. Creating hurdles where they don't need to have hurdles, uh, enforcing rules that aren't really there even. I mean, like, not only are they being really, really careful, they're like making things not allowed that absolutely are right now. And I think, you know, I texted a little bit about this um, during last week when you were kind of off the grid a little bit about, you know, the Jack Sawyer, the freshman at Ohio state who has an $80,000 truck to drive around now just by posting a couple times on social media each month, you know, saying like this car dealership is, is where it's at. I mean, it's allowed. Like you, you don't even have to disguise it. I mean, there, there's nothing, there's nothing even in the works for that kid. That's like, he's doing so much for our company or for our brand that he absolutely deserves this truck. It's two social media posts a month. That's it to get that truck. I mean, it's, it's allowed. So do it. You don't, you don't have to be careful. You're not going to get in trouble for this stuff after the fact or down the road. Like 
down the road, maybe something like that's not allowed, but you're not going to get in trouble for it because it's fine right now. So it's, it's just a weird thing. And you've got a guy like Hunter Dickinson, who's arguably the most marketable player athlete on Michigan's campus right now. I mean, there's a few in that discussion. He's one of them and he's sounding off because he, he doesn't think that he's been set up for success. He doesn't think that he's getting some of the same opportunities. And, and this is not about Michigan, creating those opportunities for them it's just about getting out of the way and and letting it be easy letting it be very streamlined letting shit man just about everything that can go through go through because it can right now so yeah i thought that was really interesting hunter you know said what he said i'd be shocked if Jawan howard didn't even didn't at least know that he was going to say something like that i don't know if it's a hey hunter why don't you go somewhere and say this because i think I've heard that Juwan's already not real happy because he's trying to get Michigan's basketball program to heights that it hasn't been at maybe ever, you know, where it's mentioned along the same lines as Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, when it comes to success on the court and recruiting prowess and all that stuff, maybe since he was in a uniform. Uh, And, you know, when when the basketball players aren't going to be able to do some of the same things that the football players are doing, like the MDEN deal, because – the Michigan football jerseys don't have a block M on them. It doesn't say Michigan anywhere on them. So they they can sell pretty much the same thing that the players wear. Well, the Michigan basketball jersey has Michigan across the front of the chest in big block letters, and they're not yeah. going to be able to do that as of right now. Same thing with hockey, baseball. I mean, a lot of the other sports where the logo and the name is is very, very visible and plain, plain sight. So I don't know, man. It was just kind of an interesting thing. Obviously, very different than when Stu was there, but but uh, Stu Douglas brought a lot to the table, talked about his past, talked about what he's doing now, and then touched on that stuff with Hunter. So and, I thought that was really do, good. Right, and and we do know that there's a push. I mean, you saw it come out in a video. Um, I think Harbaugh at practice had said something yeah. to the effect of wanting to let the players use the block M, and so it's not that there's not an appetite for it from some very prominent people within the University of Michigan, but the problem is. This thing is, it's already out there now. And the planning that should have and could have gone into it over Mm -hmm. the last year or two years could have put Michigan in a much better spot. And once again, they look like they're just sort of playing catch up or they're trying to figure it out as it goes along. You know, I give them some credit and and, and we'll probably bring this up a little bit later in the podcast, but we're going to speak to some people that, you know, have some insight on the NIL stuff. And there is some things that players need to be aware of and there's a slippery slope out there and you can Mm -hmm. get wrapped up into some things. And so on one side, I do get why the university of Michigan might want to try to protect the players, but at the same time, you can't do that at the expense of, you know, the athletes being able to earn whatever potential income is out there waiting for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's, and maybe I was never clear about that from the beginning. This is not like a Michigan football thing or a mission. This is a university of Michigan thing. That's what's, It's the university and the athletic department and compliance that's making things tricky. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh wants this. Juwan Howard wants this. The coaches and the players and the staffs, they all want this to work in their favor. So maybe I was never clear about that up front, but it was it was never about Michigan football, you know, doing something wrong or incorrectly or improperly. It was about the schools. Much bigger, much bigger picture. And it needs to be because it's not just about those programs either. It's the Olympic sport athletes. It's all the all the athletes at Michigan that you've you've never heard of, they all can can benefit from this if things are done correctly. And right now, it just just doesn't feel like they are. So yep. it's a bummer. And you've got, like I said, you've got a guy like Hunter Dickinson speaking really on behalf of all those people because you know if some 
I don't, I'm just don't want to, I don't want to diminish anybody, but if like, you know, a freshman from the, the wrestling team starts talking about this, nobody's going to hear it. But if Hunter Dickinson speaks about it, it's, it's going to make some waves. So, you know, props to Hunter for speaking his mind again. I'm sure he didn't do that on his completely on his own, but uh, at, at the same time, and Stu brought this up, I hadn't really thought about this, but this is it for Hunter. Like, yeah, he doesn't really have to worry about like, oh, this could be really rough for the next three years or so. Like he's he's done after this year. It's pretty pretty obvious. He almost was he almost was done after one. He's definitely going to go pro after his sophomore season. So why not you know why not try to get what he can get right now and and if it helps some others too, then that's that's even better. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll continue to follow that thing. NIL is not going away. It's going to continue to to morph and evolve and be adapted and changed and um yeah we'll see. But I did think it was also interesting. Uh, our most recent uh, media availability, media availability. Daxton Hill said, "Like it, it's kind of calmed down. Like it was really crazy the first day, July first, and a yeah. couple days after. But he said, like it's, it's everybody's just so focused on the season right now, especially right. for football. Obviously, basketball might be a little different story right now as they're still a little more free. But uh, anyway, anyway, well, I think I think that was." We maybe had touched on that a little bit the last time you and I were on, as I think a lot of that, like over the last week, two weeks has been, you know, a lot of student athletes just kind of coming back down to earth after the NIL stuff was out there and you thought, you know, I'll start a clothing brand or all this money's going to flood in or I'm, I'm, you know, this, you know, big time marketable person. I think a lot of people now are starting to figure out like, yeah, there has to be there has to be something in place so that student athletes can maximize it because there's not a lot of people out there waiting to like pounce on the majority of these kids. And so they they definitely need some help and some guidance. Yep. No doubt about it. So we'll continue to watch that as we go, but we've got a couple segments here tonight that we're going to unveil because they're going to, they're going to, yeah, man, they're going to be, they're going to be regular occurrences during the season. The first one, the first one, I'm really excited about it, man. Chris, you, uh, I guess kind of thought of this almost on accident. You were writing a title for a story and tried to be funny about it. We're not going to get into the specifics of that title, but uh, it spawned this uh, <laughs> this f-ing guy. So TFG, TFG, this f-ing guy. We're going to try not to say the f word as we do it, but basically, as the season gets going, our TFG every week is going to be likely somebody from the other team who either like goes off against Michigan or somebody who does something that they shouldn't do during the game. I have two examples last year, uh, the freshman receiver, his name escapes me for Michigan state who went off for like 200, like this guy guy got sold for 200 yards. What the hell is he doing? Like, who does he think he is? Couple at years the big ago, house? At yeah. The what? Big house? Come on. What is he doing? A couple years ago, Jacob Panashuk from Michigan State took that huge cheap shot against Shea Patterson. I mean, this fucking guy. What are you doing, dude? Just get the get out, man. Go ha- go have a shower. Go chill out. And that's what he did. So that's going to be our segment. No games to look at yet, but we still got a segment coming up. So here, here it is. <laughs> Is this the introduction to TFG? This f***ing guy. Yes, it is. Chris, <laughs> Phenomenal. who you got? 
Well, you know, I didn't, you asked me about this earlier and I didn't really have to think long and hard at all because it was Scott Frost and Scott yeah, Frost, man. I think he's, he's always going to be for as, long, for as long as he's in the big 10, he's always going to be hovering within that top three TFG just because of, of who he is. And man, with this, you know, this latest investigation that's going on right now, you know, first you have kind of the dust up of him, you know, leading up to the 2020 season and the big 10, you know, saying they're not going to play and, and, and Nebraska and Scott Frost basically leading the charge saying, well, we'll go to another conference or we'll play somewhere else. Um, and now it's, it kind of seems like he's been on his P's and Q's and on his best behavior. And we are a little over two weeks out from the season. And it turns out that Nebraska is under investigation. And Oh, by the way, they're not very good. They haven't Whoa. had a they haven't had a winning season under 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 Whoa. Frost yet in three years, and so you know not only are they not doing well on the field, but this just has not been a great experiment so far with Scott Frost. Nebraska football in a nutshell. I wish I had more thumbs. <laughs> I wish I had more thumbs. I wish I had more thumbs. I I got a kind of a silly one. Obviously, what what's going on with Nebraska and Scott Frost, like. Who knows what that'll turn into? Like he's been cheating and doing this and using analysts for different things that he's not really supposed to. And that there's there are multiple things that they've been kind of uh, bending and breaking the rules a little bit. And they've been awful. So it's like, OK, yeah. you, you're cheating and you're doing all this and doing all that. And those are still the results that you have. Like, that's when not a good look. And you're still bad. That's yeah. That's so so my TFG this week is whoever runs the accounts for both the Ohio state and the Michigan state barstool accounts. I don't know yeah. if you saw this, but I'm going to throw this video up real quick. It's pretty short, but uh, for people watching, you'll get a, you'll get a, a sense of what I'm talking about. So Jim Harbaugh is out there at practice. Big Ten Network's in the house. He's pushing the sled a little bit. And that was it. And Michigan State and Ohio State Barstool accounts took that and made it seem like it was the craziest. They're like, oh, Jim Harbaugh never can do anything normal. I'm like, yeah, that was the most normal thing I've ever seen. It's a football coach pushing the sled for a minute while his team's kind of, it looked like they were winding down. I don't know. Well, maybe not. I don't know, but they're in full uniform, but they weren't wearing helmets. So maybe that was their end of practice conditioning or something like that. I, I mean, I just, listen, I've been very critical of Jim Harbaugh. He's done some weird stuff. He's a quirky dude. That is not it. Like that's yeah. For Michigan State, that's the epitome of being a little brother, just looking for something to be like, I, I don't, and Ohio State, like, you're awesome. Just shut the hell up and do what you do. Like, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I thought it was really, really weird to go after Harbaugh for something like that. It just didn't, that didn't resonate with me at all as being weird or being out of the ordinary or that he was looking for attention or all yeah. the things I saw people saying on social media. I just thought it was like, I mean, he's getting a little exercise out there. He's, he talked about he's in the best shape of his of his life. He's down to his you look at him, he looks, you, you see it. Yeah. Dude, so if you're out there during practice and you decide to run a few laps or you're doing a few exercises or you're doing a couple of workouts that your team's doing, like what? I don't 
this fucking guy. That's what I yeah. have to say about that. Yeah, I, I just thought I, it was I weird. Did, man. You know, I did see it come through over on Twitter. I did think it was weird, and I think the vast majority of people who saw it come out on Twitter thought the same thing. Like, I don't know, the dude's out on it's. There's a couple weeks left until the season. It's fall camp. You got hell's bells blaring in the background. <laughs> you're all lathered up. Like you're you're a former athlete yourself. You've been around the game. Like I don't know. I I feel like. You know, the thing with Harbaugh is you're right. He he's quirky and he does some he does some odd things, but I don't know if he does it for attention nearly as much as people I, I, think he does. The I cameras don't think I don't think that's ever been a part of why he does what he does. Right. Like like him jumping off of a diving board at a swim meet or him climbing a tree or him, you know, pushing a sled at practice, like the cameras are on him. Like, I think he just is who he is and he does what he does. Now there were some instances where he would, you know, kind of start Twitter beef and, and, you know, go after other coaches and, and granted, you know, he would deserve some of the blowback he got for that. But overall, yeah, I see no problem. I, I like seeing him out there pushing this lead with the players. I think that, you know, you could see the players uh, reacting to it and I don't know, man, it seems like they're having a lot of fun in fall camp and I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah. And honestly, back to the Twitter beef thing. I don't know if he ever instigated one. Maybe. No, I, you're I right. Think, you're I think right. almost every single, and if someone wants to go back and comb through all of them and find every single thing Twitter or every single thing Harbaugh ever said on Twitter, maybe he took a shot, but 95% of the time he was just coming back at somebody who Responding. said something about him or said something about Michigan or the way he did this or the way he did that or whatever it was. So yeah. anyway, like I said, man, I've been critical of Harbaugh. I don't think he's been that good. I think he's lost too many big games. I don't think he's accomplished what he set out to accomplish, but to call him out for something like that, I thought was just like, what, well, what are you doing, man? You know, I mean, I get it's, it. It's, it's, it's barstool, Michigan. It's barstool. State, it's like, MSU. It's Ohio state. I do get it. Yeah. But like, I'll still I'll still call you a tool for being a tool. I mean, that's, you know. Oh yeah, they, I mean, they're tools, there's no doubt about that. That is what it is. All right. Our next uh our next segment is going to be burning questions. We will have a lot more uh in-depth and specific types of things to focus on once the season starts when we're looking at game by game and what's working and what's not and why did this happen and what went on here. We don't quite have that yet. But we, we do have lots of things I think we can talk about. And me and Chris haven't had just the two of us on a pod in quite a while because we've been doing the interviews and we've been yeah. doing some other things. So I think this will be good. What we're going to do, I'll ask a question. You'll answer it. I'll give my two cents. You ask a question. I'll answer it. We'll go back and forth like that and see what we come up with. We've got five each. Here we go. I'll let you lead it off. I will start with... <clears throat> Let this music build, man. This is <laughs> talk about I, getting I feel, like up. I feel like I'm on 2020 or something with like Barbara Walters. Are we about to hit some hard hitting stuff here? No. <laughs> <laughs> some of it, some of it's decent. Here's my first question. We all seem to have come to the agreement that Cade McNamara is the starter. I don't know if that'll change or not. I'm gonna say that he's the starter as we sit here right now. Will Cade McNamara start all 12 regular season games? No, no, I, I think uh, I'd have to look back at the numbers, but I can't remember the last time a Michigan quarterback that started the season started all 12 games for Michigan, didn't didn't run into any injury or anything like that. Um, and then you saw it last year, how quickly it can happen. He got, you know, half of the game under his belt against Rutgers. And then the very following game, he was out for the rest of the season. And so, yeah, I agree with you. He's going to be the starting quarterback, but I think it's the chances are slim to none that he starts every single game of the year. It just seems like it's like, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard to stay healthy and 
play really well through that, you know, through the schedule and the teams that Michigan's going to play. And with the questions and the uncertainties, I, I think you're right. I mean, and he's I, undersized. He's not a big guy, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and the big time, I think he's like six, one, you know, 210 pounds, 205, pounds. he's not, he's not a big dude. And so, you know, when you get into like October big 10 football and you start taking some hits, like it'll, it'll wear on you. I hear you. And I say I that, you. like, I know, like I've actually been on the field. I got no idea what I'm talking about. I, I like the answer. I think it's probably the it's most good likely. Answer. I think that's probably the most likely. All right. What you got? Shit, I totally forgot I was up next. <laughs> so there's only two of here. us. <laughs> All right, so question. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a big picture question, but is Michigan a legitimate Big Ten title contender in 2021? If so, no. yes. If not, why? No, no, they're just not. I, I mean, because, because they're in the same side as Ohio State, and Ohio State is an absolute machine. And until that gap closes by a lot, I mean, look, man, I've got them sitting at seven and five. That's not going to get them anywhere close to, you know, close to that discussion. So, um, I mean, we've talked about it so much, man. That week two game against Washington and where the rest of the season goes is going to determine so much about what I think of this team. But at at the end of the day, I still do have them, you know, losing five games, four of them being conference games. So I just don't really think that puts them anywhere near you know, Big Ten title contention. Um, I, mean, I think a lot. I think they'd have to surprise me in a massive way to be in that in that picture. Sure. I mean, they're not. You wouldn't put them in the same category as like an Illinois or a Purdue. I mean, they're not. You know, they're no. not that far off. But so you think the gap is just such right now that it's not even it's not even a realistic possibility. I mean, if they finish behind Ohio State, Penn State, and Indiana, I mean, they're yeah. they're not even close. You yeah. know, and that's based on how they're. Their schedule looks and what I have them doing, that's that's where they So there be. you go. Brandon Brown says they are not a legitimate Big Ten title contender in twenty twenty one. And I mean you're still sitting at nine and three. That that's the same thing. I mean I'm it's si- nine and three yeah, might well, as well be see, seven here's and five. the thing. I'm I'm sitting at nine and three, but I also can see a scenario. I view them as a legitimate Big Ten title contender. I feel mm-hmm. like on any given Saturday, they are a good enough team to go out and put up a W. I can't say that about like the Purdue's and the Illinois and the Maryland's, but I think Michigan is in that group where they can do it. A lot has to happen. A lot has to go in favor. And I think, you know, that's why I got them finishing at nine and three, but if they take care of business, they've got the talent. They are certainly a legitimate title contender. Okay. Next title. Next one from me. Will Michigan under, under new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, will the defense be better in every major category this year. So I guess you can kind of pick and choose or just look at the numbers, and here are, here are those numbers. Yeah. Last year they gave up 34.5 points a game, 179 rushing yards per game, 251 passing yards per game, and 430. So for a total of 430 total yards per game. So I guess I guess kind of the main focus is that 34.5 points per game yeah. and the 430 yards per game. That's Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, I would say if it's not better than it was, the question is, is it better than it was last year? Yep. Yeah, I would say in, in every single category, it will be better than it was last year. And if it's not, uh, we got a serious problem on our hands because 
when when you go back and look at the numbers, and I don't remember exactly where they finished, but I believe the defense has been in the bottom half of college football, uh, or at least was in the bottom half of college football last year. Just statistically speaking, we could see that the corners were getting burned. You know, you know the the mo with Don Brown's defense is that they don't really change, they don't really adapt. It kind of is what it is. Um, everything we've been hearing coming out of spring ball, the summer cycle, fall camp, is that they're going to be multiple and that they are going to be unpredictable and that they're going to be able to adjust and they're going to be playing to their strengths. So from everything I've heard, I say, yes, absolutely, this defense is going to be better. And if it's not, um, just like everything else we've heard this offseason, we're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, I, so let me let me build on that real quick and finish this quickly, and then you can ask yours. Is that yeah. – so is that – is that improvement, do you think, a direct correlation to what Mike McDonald's doing or that it was just that bad last year? And like going up is really kind of the only thing they can do. I, I think it's probably more of that. But I, I do think it's a little bit of both. I think it, I think it had become clear over the last couple of years that Don Brown's defensive scheme wasn't working. Um, and I think that overall, you know, when the guys talk about um, this new culture in the locker room, I do think that that Don Brown, even though the players loved him, was a part of that. Maybe it was being stubborn. Maybe it was like, you know, the unwillingness to change, whatever it is. But I feel like Mike McDonald's presence in that locker room is going to be good for a whole host of reasons. I think his defensive scheme is going to be better. But I think the players probably relate to him a little bit better. There you go. Okay. I like it. Fire away. All right. Brandon, obviously, um, Harbaugh made a lot of off-season changes here. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but I don't know that we've ever settled on an answer here. Who do you think was the most important off-season addition to Jim Harbaugh's staff? That's unbelievable. That was my next question. That was See, my next we're, question. We're, we're right here. We can. Well, I, I, let's let's talk about it. I have it. I have it down to two because I think it's it's between Mike Hart and Steve Klingscale. I thought yeah. I was my Same. my question to you was going to be. Who's the better off-season hire, Mike Hart or Steve Klinkscale? And I will say, it's oh man, it's I'll say Mike Hart. I, I really think with the 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 talent in that running back room, if he can get the most out of it and he can use it correctly, and he can understand as a former player who carried the rock a ton that the hot hand needs to be the hot hand, and you find a guy and you ride him to the you know to the to the end zone, to the, to the first down marker, to victory, whatever you want to say. I think that's, I think that's going to be huge for what Michigan tries to do on offense because they, they're really good there, man. Yeah. Son Haskins, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, the freshman who we know we're going to see. I think if you can get the most out of that group now, obviously that depends a lot on what the offensive line is doing and what Sharon Moore can get out of that group. But I think, I think impact wise, Man, though, but clink with them corn like that's it's. I think it's really, really close, and I think it's those two by quite a bit. I, I mean, yeah. I, I like Ron Bellamy a lot. I like uh, I like what I've seen out of Mike McDonald. I'm still I'm, the jury's still out for me on exactly how good he's going to be and what he can do in that role. But I like what I've seen so far. George Hilo, I still just I, I don't. He's just a man. He just kind of yeah. is there for me at this point. That's not that's not a knock on him. He hasn't done anything wrong. I just think as a, a linebackers coach in a new scheme, new system, I just I don't have an opinion on him either way yeah. yet. I think I think Hart and Clink are the are the two obvious answers, and I'm going to give the slight slight edge to Mike Hart. 
We're we're pretty much in lockstep there. I mean, I I I was gonna say Mike Hart, but I do want to say that you know I didn't know much about Clink Scale before he came mm-hmm. to Michigan. I know that he sort of flirted with Michigan a little bit before he was gonna you know before he ultimately ended up coming back. But you know when we were up at that Ferris camp, he's one of those guys where when you're in the same room with him or he walks into the room, he just has a presence. You know, Jim Harbaugh has that presence. Mike Hart has that presence, but in terms of who is probably going to make the biggest impact or was the biggest hire, I go with Mike Hart for the same reasons you said that running back room is, I I think it's elite, like among the best in the country. The problem is they just haven't found a way to maximize the talent that they have there. Given his experience that he played the position that he was at the university of Michigan. So he kind of understands the importance of, you know, just the environment there and the rivalry games. I expect the running back room to be uh, extremely productive in 2021. And I think he's going to prove to be the best hire by far for the offseason. And I mean, he's been good. He's already been good. Yeah. He's proven that he's good at coaching the position. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's close and I love Clink, man. You know, when we got him for media availability the other day, I, I started to like him even more just the way he conducted himself, yeah. how he answered questions, what he puts uh, what he puts emphasis on, what kinds of things he's focusing on, whether it be recruiting or in the in the film room or out on the field. Like, I, I just I don't have anything even remotely negative to say about him at this point. Now, yeah. when we you know we see the corners if they're getting burnt like toast like they did last year so often, yeah, we can talk about it. But for now, sure. he was a home run, and and so was Hart. I think both of those hires were were big big upgrades, and I I really liked. Mike Zordich for a lot of years that he was at Michigan, but I think Clink is, I think he's special. I, I think mean, he's we, a really good coach. Are we are we pretty much in the same boat here that the overall coaching staff from last year to this year is an upgrade? Would you go that far? Hmm. It's close. It's okay. close for me. I still think, I still think when you look at like the sum and the parts and all that stuff together when you've got so much change all at once and quite a few guys doing something for the first time it still yeah. gives me a little pause but like i mean shit man they didn't even have a safeties coach last year so now right. you've at least got one i mean it is ron bellamy he might not have been my first choice for for safeties i love him as a dude as a personality culture guy, culture, culture guy. Yeah. guy absolutely recruiter I you know I don't know if he'd be at the top of any other school's list to coach safeties. That's just keeping it yeah. real, you yeah. know. But it's it's close. I mean, if you if you kind of you know go line for line down who was there and who's there now, it, yeah. I mean, there, there's a there's I think there's a pretty lengthy list of pros and cons on both sides. Yeah. And so, is it a push? Is it a little better? Is it slightly worse here? Slightly better there? Here's what I would say. We'll see. Step down in experience, step up in culture. So for me, for me, I look at the enhanced culture that everybody's talking about this year as a positive. So I'll, you know, I'll take this year's staff and and hope that it plays out on the field. All right, here we go. Next one. This this is the one that everybody wants to know. Ooh, not really. We might hemorrhage some listeners right here. How many (laughs) uniform combination combinations do you think we will see this year? How many combos? Okay, so you're gonna see you're gonna see the all maze. You're gonna oh, see the okay. you're gonna see the all blue. Um, you're gonna see the traditional maze and blue. Mm-hmm, the home. Yep. You're gonna see the the traditional. Well, you're gonna see the all white aways. Mm-hmm. And then you're also gonna see. Ooh, it's it's a toss up between the blue bottoms and white top or the maze bottoms and white top. And I think they go. 
blue bottoms, white top. I so think you the, think five? I think the, I think uniforms we're see, for Michigan. It, it could be six. It could, it be, could six. be six. I think we could see six this year. I think I think that Michigan is uh, at least internally and in the locker room. They're like, you know what? To hell with it. We're gonna do. You know, we're gonna do alternates. We're gonna try to. You know, they're gonna appeal to the kids. That's how yeah. I feel. This is gonna go this year, and I think we'll see at least five alternates on the field. How about you? Need a little. Need a little influx of drip, if you will. A little more style, Dude, a little it, more swag. It, it, it can never hurt you. It can only all help those you, words right? that I really can't stand and can't believe I just said. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. I I think I think for me it's like the practical approach of letting recruits wear them. Yeah. Why the hell would you do that if you're not going to actually wear them? Right. That, that that's like I I'm with you. I think uh, I think Let the all the blues are like the I think the all blues are like a done deal. Like we kind of had that confirmed from some well, of the players that jumped see, on with us. I thought the all blues were a done deal for week two, but now that they're doing the maze out, maze out yeah, two, maybe I think we might see the, you know, the maze uniforms that probably makes the most sense. Right. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, when we've seen all the kids come through on the official visits and they do the photo shoot, we've seen all six of those combinations yeah. that you just, you just said, I, well, I don't know if we've seen the recruits in the maize pants with the white jersey, but we've seen that at, at practice. We have, which, and I and I will say, from interacting with the fans, the maize pants and the white top, there are a lot of people that want to see that look come back and have yeah. that be the standard away. You know, the all whites; those are either you know that people are very like hit or miss on that. They either love it or they really really hate it. Yeah, I put the Twitter poll out the other day, and the all whites came in last by a good margin. Yeah, the, uh, the white. The white tops with the blue bottoms actually was the number one want. See, I do like the all whites though, and the yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I like them all. I, I don't. I don't dislike any of them. I yeah. I think something about the stripes down the side on the white pants throws yeah. me off a little bit. Yeah. Like it looks like like old school too much. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. I really like all white uniforms. Like when Texas does their all whites. I hate to admit it, but even when Michigan State goes white across the whole board, it's really yeah. clean looking. Michigan's never going to do that with the helmet, so I think that's why the all whites don't quite work for me as much. Yeah, so we'll, that makes sense. We'll see. Anyway, six six potential uniform combinations. I got six. Yeah. Wow. There you have it. That would be something, wouldn't it? Man, it would. That would be impressive. It uh, would. All right, Brandon. Here we go. Given all of the changes that have occurred during the offseason, all those coaching changes that we talked about, all the changes that you have on the roster, you've got them at seven wins in 2021. Is seven wins good or bad for this team in 2021? Always bad. It's uh, okay. Michigan winning seven games, going seven and five, not being in contention for the Big Ten. It's bad. It's always bad. I, I just – I think that's – and, and then you factor in this is year seven for Harbaugh and uh, what it looked like last year. Granted, a really weird year, six-game season, COVID. I get it. I get it. I just – I don't know. I, I don't think you can ever get to a point where you're like, eh, it's Michigan. You know, they're rebuilding. Nah, they're just – you don't get that. You don't yeah. get that excuse at Michigan. I just I, – I can't get there. I, I think like nine wins is should be the – should be the floor like yeah. every year. Like Michigan, with the resources, the recruiting potential, the the brand, the the uh, the assistant coaches hiring pool, how much you're able to pay people, best of the best of the best across the board, and so you just shouldn't be down in that seven win area ever. So I would say that's that's bad. 
And yeah. dude, if you could look Jim Harbaugh square in the face and say, "Are is seven and five good or bad?" He would tell. He better tell you bad. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I just know? I wonder what. I wonder what the general fan reaction would be because you do see a lot of people that, you know, have the same thought process that you have that, yeah, it's, there's been a lot of changing on the coaching staff. There's been a lot of changes on the roster. There's a lot of unknowns and that if, if he can get to seven wins, like that would be pretty damn good considering everything he's had to replace and rebuild. I wonder generally if, if Michigan does finish with a seven win record, how is that going to be received by the fan base? Generally speaking. You know, because I can, I I see a lot of people viewing that as a success, and a lot of people bringing out the pitchforks. You know, it's I, I I just, I'm more pitchfork at seven wins. I know you're more pitchfork, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like I said, I just don't, dude. It's year seven. Come on, seven wins in year seven. This isn't like a complete scheme overhaul to something that's never been seen at Michigan before, like in Rich Rod's first year. Or something. And I know right, he went three and eight? nine. Like that was awful. But what if it's eight? What if it's eight? Still a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For me, it is. I think nine's the I, floor. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think I'm there with you for the reasons you said before, and for the reasons everybody knows. It's year seven. Like I get that a lot had to be replaced, a lot had to be done. But you know, it, if we keep finding reasons to like just be okay with a little bit less every single year. That's how we get to where we're at now, where it's almost been a decade and not much has really happened. You know that, you know, that, uh, that gif of that guy standing still just with the rain pouring down on his head and face. Yeah. Just that's eight. That's eight and four. Yeah. That's eight and four. It's like eight and four. Okay. I mean, I just like, that's not horrible, but I mean, what does, what does it do for you in either direction? You know what eight and four is eight and four is like, a couple of good wins with some really painful losses. Yeah. And, and and that to me is not, you know, like, man, the off seasons are just so damn painful when you're a Michigan fan. <laughs> know, you always end every single year on like the worst possible note. So, all right. Man. This last one from me is, is just open-ended in general. I think I know where you're going to go because you've kind of referenced it a couple of times already. Um, flat out, man. Are you believing the talk? Are you believing the off season fall camp preseason talk? I'm glad you. I'm, I'm really glad you asked this because I've thought about this as a topic, just like in general. Yeah. In, in general, and I am a little bit embarrassed to admit that I am buying it. I am buying it. And slurping the Kool Aid. I, I am slurping the Kool. Give me. The, there's got to be a drop for me slurping the Kool Aid, right? Is there anything in there? I just oh, want to say go blue. Thing, go blue. <laughs> that's Chris. That's Chris right now. That's me. That's how I feel right now. Um. I don't, dude, there's just been so much positivity coming out of camp. Harbaugh looks physically fit. He's out there pushing the sled. They're saying all the right things. It's we're going to do it or die trying. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I'm willing to die for this. I came back to do that. You know, like if I, if I get to a point as a Michigan fan where I hear everything I've heard this off season and sit back and say, nah, I'm not buying it then I might just need to like check my whole fan status with this team because they're saying everything you want to hear as a fan. I get that the results haven't been there, but I am buying into the new energy. I think they're going to come out highly motivated week one. I think it's going to carry into week two and that's how I think we get to nine, nine wins. So yeah, I'm buying it. I'm all in. I'm slurping. I just thought I'm making a note right now. We must get a, slap sound effect for Chris. 
<laughs> I'm writing it down. Oh, there we go. Slurp, like a, yeah. Slurp, like slurp, slurp, oh, yeah. baby. Slurp, slurp, I'm, I'm yeah. finding it. I'm finding it before we're done here. <laughs> slurp and slap. I, can't, I mean, you hear hey. the same things I'm hearing, right? Yeah. It, 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 I don't know. Ask the fans generally. For me, it feels different. I, I have a it's a weird feeling going into this year because I have no idea what to expect on the field, but I feel better about what I'm hearing more so this year than I have in a while. I want to point one thing out before Chris throws his last question at me. Uh, this is Chris's first year covering the team as a member of the media. Just saying, true. just saying, true. <laughs> but I, but I have been, you know, I've been, a, I, no, I, get, I know I've been down this road before I get it. You, you know, you get to the point where you're two weeks out, you know, the, the wind totals, you start thinking, you know, maybe you go from seven to eight to nine, to 10, <laughs> like, you know, you start, you start drinking, but I don't know, man. I, I feel like there just seems to be a different vibe in this team. And, and it's something that you can feel and you can see it. And again, if we get to, you know, uh, the bye week and Michigan's got two losses on the schedule to Washington and Wisconsin, we're going to have to have a different conversation. And, and, okay. and, and everything that they've said this offseason, they will have to answer to an answer for if it doesn't translate on the field. And they've done a lot of talking. I was just going to say, you said start drinking right now, and then six weeks into the season, you might start drinking in a different way. So we'll see. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Wrap us up here. All right. Last question before we hop off. Brandon. Uh, I, well, actually, I got two because we had one one that was the same question, but you know what? Okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with this question first. Which Michigan transfer, outgoing transfer? will be the most productive in 2021 between these players. Okay, I was going to say, I was trying to think of who that was. You got a list for me. Joe Milton, Dylan McCaffrey, Luigi Villain, Zach Charbonnet, Giles Jackson. It's a pretty good list, man. That's a solid list of players, man. It's a pretty good list. Well, my first instinct, my first thought was Zach Charbonnet. I think just, you know, running back, because I don't, I don't, I need to do. A, I would need to do a little homework to see exactly what UCLA has coming back at the position. Like, where's he figuring into the depth chart? It's kind of the same with with Giles Jackson at Washington. It's kind of the same with Joe Milton at Tennessee. Like, yeah. I think all these guys are in line to potentially play a lot. Um, and then Dylan McCaffrey. Like, I mean, he's at Northern Colorado, right? Like, you'd think a guy like that, that kind of recruit, had a chance to play at Michigan. Maybe a lot of people thought he should have and could have been the guy. I mean, he should go to Northern. Yeah, he should go to Northern Colorado and light it up. So my first instinct was Zach Charbonnet. I mean, he was pretty damn good at Michigan. The other guys, you know, Milton certainly had a lot of downs in his up and down career. McCaffrey never really got it going. Giles Jackson didn't didn't play a ton. Luigi Villain always hurt. Zach Charbonnet, his name's in the Michigan record books forever. Most rushing touchdowns as a true freshman with 11. So you know that dude can play. You know he can get it done. Again, I would have to look at the depth chart a little bit, see what UCLA's got going on. But that, he was the first the first name when you were reading me the list. Seemed to be like, I guess, maybe the safest bet. Because like if Joe Mills doesn't even say, end so up you, playing. Yeah, so you got Joe $100 McCaffrey, in your pocket. You got to put it down on one of them right now. I think I say Charbonnet. Okay. And that's just because, again, I think he's like he's proven he can play at that level. You know what you're getting with him. It's a pretty productive position. Position if he's in the game, yeah. Uh, that, that's where I would lean. I think. I think. Char- I think you're right. Charbonnet is probably the safest play. I would be real uh, 
tempted to take McCaffrey. And mm. he's such a wild card because you don't know what he's going to do out there. Is he going to be? Yeah, happy? I mean, you know, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be playing? What what's the what's the landscape look like? But with his dad being the coach, with the competition level being the way it is, I think he was a five star recruit when he came in. Right? He should he should be able to on go the, to Northern. Yeah, Cup. back in you know he, he, on the he was he was there he was there. Um, he should be able to go to Northern Colorado and light it up if he's as good as everybody says he was and is. Yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see, really. I mean, I don't probably won't ever catch a Northern Colorado game, but at least check the yeah. box scores and be like, oh, well, you know, he's watching McCaffrey and watching Milton. I think as a Michigan fan, I'm really curious to see what those yeah, two what guys they do because that was a heated quarterback battle. It was very mm -hmm. divisive within the fan base as to which direction they thought Harbaugh should go. A lot Man. of people thought he made the wrong decision and, Look, you know. Look back at the stories we were writing this time last year, and now neither uh, of those guys are even on the roster. You know what we need to do? We need to go Crazy. back and look at some of our uh, – I've seen other people do it, but some of our ice-cold takes because, man, when it comes to Joe Milton, I think I've got some pretty frosty takes. Michigan's got its man. <laughs> and now he plays for Tennessee. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Cam Newton yeah. 2.0. Urban real. Meyer. Urban for Meyer real. said he was a specimen. Well, it's nice to know that the hyperbole is not just on the Michigan side of things. I saw a yeah. post on, on Instagram somewhere that was like, Joe Milton looks like the created quarterback I used to make in the NCAA football games. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. dude is... He's a freak show, man. I even saw I even saw uh, Tennessee's uh, social media pages posting the Cam Newton comparison, and then Michigan fans were quick in the comment section saying, "Yeah, we've been there, we've done that." But I also you know, saw I also saw a clip of Joe Milton in practice throwing against air. He's air mailed a fade ball by like nine yards out of bounds. I'm like, well, all right, there you, yeah, there you go, there you go. Is that it? That's the last one. Uh, I did have one more, but I think we'll save that for like. We'll we'll do a special show before the season kicks off, and I think that that question it's it's so heavy. There's so much weight to it. We need to save that for a special edition of the show. There you go. That was burning questions. Burning oh, that was questions. great. That was great. That was great. So that'll be one of our segments. We got TFG. It was we nice got... to be able to talk to you again. I feel like we yeah, spent so much time talking to players that. All right, you know. but the applause, Jesus, how long is that? <laughs> I had to cut that down. And 22 seconds of applause, is, it was good. It wasn't well, that good. Well. They liked us. All right, uh, Hassan Haskins, dog. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, we're, we're, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. How many days now is 17, it? Like 17. 17 days, days until Michigan kicks off against Western Michigan. Um I don't know. Where's your excitement level? We talked about this earlier in the season or earlier in the summer, how it, it just like, man, I've never, I've never seen a, I've never seen the excitement level so low. I've never seen so many people not care. It feels winds of change, man. Winds of change. Winds of change. And it's, it is two parts excitement one, or maybe it's two parts curiosity you know, intrigue, one part excitement. I, I don't, I feel myself like mostly excited because I'm so damn curious. I just want to see, I want to see what it looks like. There's, there's so much mystery surrounding this team. What's Cade going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? What's the receivers going to look like? How are they going to use the running backs? I just have so many damn questions. Yeah. And so I, I would say, yeah, I'm, I think the excitement level is growing, but I think a lot of it is because, Nobody knows what to expect, and they just want to see it. 
I think you. I think that's it. You hit it right on the head for me. We were talking about that some of the other media people the other day as we're waiting for Harbaugh to come out. It's like I think you just do that. You replace the word excitement with curiosity because that's what yeah. it is. Like it's kind of the same thing. Those those feelings are definitely related, but that's it. It's it. It's not like um super excited to see them win a bunch because I don't know if that's what we're going to see, but I want to see something. I want to see what the defense looks like. I want to see a couple of these new faces and see how big of a, how big of a role, you know, uh, a Jordan Whitley does have and what's Alan Bowman going to do. And is Dalen Baldwin really a contributor as a wide receiver right away? And what's the offense look like under Gaddis in year three and McDonald. And then, I mean, it's just like across the board. It's yeah. across the board. There's so much curiosity at so many different spots that I'm with you. I mean, if you want to call that excitement, fine, cool, good. I'm you know, good you, with it. But you know what it is? It's very curious. You know what it is, Brandon? It's like you're about to go into battle, right? And there's a box sitting off in the distance, and it's got your battle weapon. And somebody says, hey, are you excited to go to battle? And it's like, well, I'm, well let me see what I got first. And then, you know, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm curious, you know, to see what, what's going to happen. But let me find out what I got. Western Michigan, that's like us opening the box and figuring out what we got. And once I see it against Western, then I'll know whether or not I'm excited or uh, nervous as hell for the rest of the season. And then you open the box and it's a rubber chicken. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Let's finish up with a few questions. Oh, I could have threw that out there right there. (laughs) Just a couple questions from some of our, uh, our loyal listeners. Uh, We touched on the Jersey thing. Oh, this is a good one. I, this I'm, a little surprised that neither of us thought about this because it obviously was all over social media, but uh, what are our thoughts on the new helmet stickers? We've seen like, you know, for, for the guys who have been around for a little while, they've got the number of each win that they were a part of. We've seen the area code. So kind of, you know, guys repping where they're from some bowl game stickers. There's a couple other things on there that I'm not a hundred percent sure what they mean. I guess, first of all, thoughts on seeing those and what they mean and kind of the symbolism and just throwing something different on there. And is this to stay or do you think this is like a camp only thing? Because I've seen both discussions being had. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard it's something to stay. That's what I heard. Could be wrong on that. I mean, I guess we can, you know, we can ask, um, you know, the next time we have a player on. I, I don't know. I I really just like the, the, like, I like the helmet stickers. I'm not one of those people that wants to see just a cling winged helmet. Like I'm, I'm yeah. glad that Harbaugh brought the stickers back, but I really just like the old school Wolverine, the way it is. Like to me, that's, that's, that's a really tough look. And, uh, you know, it's probably cool. I'll put it this way. I don't like it as much as a fan, but it's probably cooler for the players to have, you know, personalized, uh, rewards that they can, you know, add to their helmet as the season goes on. Yeah. I found myself being like, uh, somebody pointed it out to me. It might have been you. I don't, man. I think it was somebody else. But like, you get a bowl game sticker for a bowl game you lost. It, we, yeah. That see okay. now that I have a problem with, right? The out that we were talking about the outback. Was it you sticker. and I? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's like I get playing in it, but if you're gonna, you know, th- that type of thing, it just I don't know. I would prefer not to have it on the helmet. I can think if I was like if I was a player and I had my area code on there, I would like that. Yeah, I, I, like I would that. dig that, especially if I was an out-of-state kid, you know, rocking the winged helmet, yep. you know, in Ann Arbor at Michigan, like, have, you know, repping my city or where I come from, if you're proud of that. Like, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I love the helmet sticker look. Like, Tyrone yeah. Wheatley's probably my favorite Michigan player, one of them, and I just have those visions of him with that helmet just covered in him because of all the accomplishments that he had every yeah. year, and I think that's really cool. But, it's, I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's, 
I'm sure the players dig it on on a lot of levels, or they or they wouldn't have done it. So yeah, yeah, not a huge, not a huge, uh, doesn't doesn't draw a huge response for me. But there's there's some traditionalist in me that like the the Wolverine look a little bit better. I think this is an interesting one. We talked about seven games kind of being the ceiling or or the floor. I mean, and how that would be a uh, a success or a failure. What if one of those seven wins is over Ohio State? It's a success. <laughs> it, it, it is you now listen to guys like you and me probably not but if Jim Harbaugh goes out and wins seven games this year and beats Ohio State as one of those seven games generally speaking the fans will be very very happy with with what occurred in 2021 Just it would gonna be. it would be a nice change to have some positive momentum to end the year as yeah. opposed to an absolute beatdown and heading into the off season crying. I mean, that, that, that's one thing I would say it it would change the, it would change the whole vibe of finishing out the year. You'd go into your bowl game with some momentum. If you win that, then you've got a lot of momentum heading into the off season for the recruiting trail. Like, all right, let's put it this way. How about this? Seven, seven wins. And one of them is Ohio state or nine wins. And Ohio state isn't part of it. Which one are you taking? I know which one. Oh man, sure. that blows. God, probably seven in a win seven, over the Buckeyes yeah. just because it's been so damn long and like you exactly. just need to put an end to that streak and, and try and to you yourself said nine wins close is the, the definition gap. of success. So you know that just goes to show how badly you, you know need everybody wants. Yeah, he's he's gotta have it. You need that. There you go. Last one, we'll get out of here. How much playing time will Junior Colson see this year? Sounds like some. I mean, you, you know. Again, here's some curiosity. What do you do? What kind of linebackers do you need out there? What do you need him to do? You know, how ready is a freshman to play in this system? It's new for everybody. So, you know, but you got a guy like Josh Ross who's played a ton of football. Mike Barrett's played a lot of football. Uh, and, and, you know, then what do you do with the other couple of linebacker spots? How much do you need those hybrid guys out there like Aiden Hutchinson, like David Ojabo, like Braden McGregor? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, he sounds like he's poised to play. He's got the size. He's a, he's a really good athlete. He can run. He can cover. I think we'll see him, but it's just another one of those question marks, man. I, I don't I don't really know how you can even answer that yet if you're I, not I, yeah. sitting there watching practice every day. I was going to say, it depends on the guys in front of him. I think a lot of that is, is who's playing in front of him. And I do believe that, you know, he suffered um, – I saw that he had mentioned something about injury he suffered during fall camp. And so he's missing some of the practices. I don't know if that's going to carry over into the season, but you know, I I think from everything we've heard from spring and summer, he seems like a guy who's at least ready to be on the field. You know, we'll see what happens ahead. of. I loved it. I loved this episode, man. It was good to just get back. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I really like the interviews and talking to the players and getting some real concrete scoop and info from those guys. But uh, it's cool to just shoot the breeze, man, and talk about what's coming up and what's going on Uh, real quick. Something to look forward to for Friday if you want to lay that out for everybody. Yeah, so Friday, you know, still working out some of the details here, but we are going to have on Jordan Morant. He's going into his sophomore year. Um, He's actually doing something pretty cool with the NIL stuff, and so we'll have him on. We'll talk about it, but, you know, it'll be a really cool way to end the week, man. You know, they're right in the middle of fall camp, and so we get to learn a little bit about the NIL stuff and maybe get some insight into what's going on in camp. There you have it. We'll be back on Friday, uh, Friday evening, and then 
man, then it's like one more week until college football starts. Michigan's still a little ways out, but week zero is coming, man, and it's coming quick. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Glad to be back with Chris. Chris has power again. He feels invigorated, rejuvenated. He's slurping. If you can't hear him over the slurp, if you can't hear me over the slurp, let me know. I'll mute his microphone. Tell you what, if if they win week two, you better you better be all over the mute button. It's just gonna be slurping left and right. Slurp city, baby, we're out. <laughs>